What a mighty God we serve. Number 132 in the purple praise.
everyone. Welcome to Olivet Church of Robinsdale. Our opening hymn, How Great Thou Art, in the Purple Hymnal, number 77, in honor of the anniversary of Darwin and Marilyn Borden.
The next hymn, Thou Art Worthy, in the Purple Praise Book, number 109. followers and one thing I've been doing 
is ever since becoming a bar musician, my social media page has exploded. And I decided on my page to put some of the sermons and a podcast since my page alone has over 2.4 followers and counting. And our Twitter account is growing. The Twitter accounts are, the church one is growing a little. And so I've been putting more out there and my stuff. And I'll tell you, being a bar musician, you're... Your stuff is going to be seen, and if the Lord's given us this kind of platform, we're taking it, an online congregation, online in person, you guys are the backbone of this service. You guys are the backbone of this church, and we greatly appreciate you feeling, and we greatly appreciate that you're willing to take out time of your day just to hear our sermons, and we thank you, and we love you. I really appreciate all that Robin does Techie and the supports, Gary and Kathy and Chris, and those who come up here and, and set up and take down, and you know, and all the logistics, you know, are so important for those by way of television, by way of radio. There's nothing more frustrating than not being able to um, hear and listen, you know. And I think I'm maybe a little challenged too, you know, as you get older, you know, the hearing probably is more challenged. So we don't want that to be a hindrance to anybody. You know, we crank it up here. So let us know, and I know that we receive a lot of favorable comments, and if there are some that you know, we can benefit by any thoughts, you know, we'll certainly coordinate, because we appreciate those who support us in their thoughts and their person. just want to mention that immediately following our service today, Darwin and Marilyn are uh, celebrate their 63rd wedding anniversary here at the church. So we just we want to thank them for their service here. And, and we recently received word of a, an endowment or so that is going to be coming. And, um, you know, God just mysteriously works to support us. And we just appreciate any financial support, prayer support that, that you can provide um, to our ministry here. Who's the endowment coming from? The Ehlers. Ehlers. Milt. Milt Ehlers. Yeah. His son. It's his son. And the grandson. He, he, the son, Clyde, passed away. And so it's the grandson. Clyde Milton. Stephen. Familiar with Stephen? Yeah. It's the grandson that's um, handling the estate. Uh-huh. So. Very nice. Yeah. We don't know the amount or anything. They don't either because it's a kind of a... It's still in process. Whatever, we'll be grateful for it. Yeah. Thank God. Praise God. You know, God meets and ministers. And, you know, the hymn that we just got done singing about, about thou art worthy, you know, God is worthy. And you have a worth to God. Can you take your, your, your finger, any five fingers, and just kind of point at yourself and say, I am worthy. I am worthy. You are worthy. Father God, we we will learn in our scripture lesson today in Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, that this is, Moses was standing on holy ground. We are holy ground. We are the temples of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the, 
midst of the bush. We're all going through this bush university's learning process because we are all endowed with the Holy Spirit once we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and we ask God's Holy Spirit. God said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. May we be able to say, here are we. Draw nigh, hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. And Father, help us to realize that we are holy ground because we are endowed with the Holy Spirit. We're the temples, the temples of the indwelling spirits of God. We, we realize that there's a world out there that's full of people who have been beaten down. They beat themselves down. They don't give themselves enough credit. And they don't believe anyone really cares about them anymore. They, they feel useless or hopeless or joyless. They have been told by teachers of humanism that they're animals and they've evolved from apes. They don't dream much anymore. There's no sparkle in their new day. They don't look forward to tomorrow. And many, if, by the way, of television and YouTube and radio, and I re receive responses from them, that somewhere along the line there's, they've been deeply wounded. They, there's a betrayal. There's a loss of position. The work of a lifetime is destroyed or marriages dissolved in a moment. And it's been too much for them to handle. We see our, our borders being devastated. We see inflation. We see chaos in our land. Little is being done about it, and those who are trying to do something about it seem to be criticized. The world has told them that they are, they all, they're all through. They're washed up. The ball game is over, and the lights are going out in the stadium. And the hero of our story today is going to be Moses. Each one of us are kind of like a Moses. We're indwelling with God's Holy Spirit, and God gives us great abilities, if we're available to use those abilities and availabilities. He was just like some of you. Moses' career collapsed when he was 40 years old. By the time he had reached 80, there was that 40-year drought in his life. When he reached 80, he was herding sheep in a wilderness area in North Africa. Not, nothing to look forward to, just rocks sand, a little water here and there, and desolation. But God hadn't given up on him, just as God has not given up on us. God's plans for him, it wouldn't be long before the name Moses would be on the lips of everyone in Egypt. Nearly three million people would owe their lives to Moses. And we owe our lives to you, O Lord, today as we come by way of television, by way of radio, and YouTube, and get you and all those other means of communication that Robin so graciously shared, that hearts and lives of people are being touched. And just as John and Charles Wesley use sometimes the bars to preach in and the hillsides, and they took the tunes and the melody and the, the words out of the, the bars and saloons of the day, and, and as they were kicked out of the churches, they used the hillsides, they used the mines to preach the word of God. When people stopped coming to church, the church went to the people. And Father, we just pray we may not be great in numbers, but we're great in quality. We thank you, Father, for your blessing upon the Gordon family and granting them so many wonderful years of marriage. 
pray for Margaret Pearson who has struggles with so many things and family and friends and health and challenges as she's coming on to another birthday we just pray that you graciously bless her as she's been a blessing to us and many churches that she's been a part of through her years the Presbyterian Church and Pilgrim United Methodist and all that Methodist and Messiah and the churches right in her area there we pray Lord that among those who are listening to us that we, we are grateful and thankful that many have chosen us as their church. A church, Father, that's on the move. A church that we don't really quite understand our, our length and our depth and our height, but Father, you graciously and mysteriously provide for us through endowments and gifts, through shares and other means of profit sharing and care as we thank you, Father, for your hand of Blessing upon the Marge Ault family and, and the gifts of Paula Schrader and Michelle Leonard. We thank you for the Ehlers family and those who have placed us in their wills. We're grateful, Father, that financial and prayer support of many. We ask a blessing upon Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, as delve into your scripture. It's Mike and Chris, prepare to come. As you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And Chris and Mike, would you make your way to the front this time? I'll be reading from Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. This is Moses at the burning bush. The Lord saw that he had turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Here ends the reading of the word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning, Mike. Moses was shepherding his sheep near Mount Horeb, which is also known as the Mount of God. While there, he noticed a burning bush. But the weird thing about the burning bush was it was not being consumed by the fire. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord came out of it. And biblically speaking, angel of the Lord, of the Lord means Jesus. Suddenly he heard God's voice and said, what is the, I thought, what is the significance of this burning bush? That was the way God was using to get Moses' undivided attention. We should be praying and use our discernment so that we may realize hey, God doesn't always come and hit us over our head with a hammer. It's not how he works. He may be giving us hints and slights of things we should notice to know that he's with us and we He's also helping us along the way as we travel. Note that God did not speak to Noah until he had turned his face away. God called Moses' name twice with two instructions. Saying his name twice simplifies God's need to get his undivided attention and reaffirm God's intent to fulfill his covenant to his feet. It's interesting that he called his name twice. The other times in the Bible he did that when he's addressing Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when he says your name twice, twice he he really wants you to pay attention. God directed Moses not to come any closer and to remove his shoes. God told him this because 
that manifested in the bush and approaching too close would end Moses and be his death. We as humans cannot be that close to perfection without being basically destroyed. And he was told to remove his shoes because his shoes had dust and dirt and stuff that was that was attracted to his souls as he walked up there. God didn't want any impurities by his face. So when he told him to remove his shoes, he's basically telling most of just you. Don't bring all that stuff you're dragging with you. I just want to talk to you. And when it says holy ground, the ground wasn't holy. It was the fact that God was there. That made holy ground. God then revealed himself further to Moses by declaring his relations to the party patriarchs. He named them. He was, this was so Moses would know that it was indeed God the covenant speaking to him from the bush. And that his covenant with him and Israel was still relevant and important to God. Thank you, Mike, for that great length and depth and breadth of that passage of Scripture. As I mentioned earlier, the, the world is full of people who have been beaten down. You may have been beaten down. You may be in recovery from various aspects of life. And God has a great plan for you because you're worth to God. You're worth to God. The world is full of those people who have been beaten down. They don't believe anyone cares about them anymore. They, they feel useless, hopeless, and, and kind of fearless. And God wants to pick you up, speak to you, provide a sparkle in your, your movement, a goal to look forward to tomorrow. God wants to speak to those deep wounds in your life, those betrayals, those loss of positions, the work of a lifetime destroyed in a moment. Many of our listeners are, have gone through tremendous brokenness in their lives, broken marriages, broken dreams. It seems like the lights in the stadium have gone out. If you've ever been to a game and you kind of can tell the tenor of the crowd, whether they're part of the losing team or the winning team, God wants you to be part of the, the winning team. And the hero of the story in Exodus is as prime example here is Moses. We, he was just like you. Moses was just like you. But he became heroic. His career collapsed when he was 40 years old. Only 40 years old, and for the next 40 years, he nothing seemed to move in his life. By the time he reached 80, he was herding sheep. He was a shepherd in the wilderness area in North Africa. And nothing that in his life he could look forward to. As I mentioned earlier, just rocks and sand and, and a little water here and there and total desolation. You see the picture? But God hadn't given up on Moses. God has plans for you and I, whether you're 40 or whether you're 80 plus. It wouldn't be long before the name Moses was to be on the lips of every, everyone in Egypt. And nearly 3 million people would owe their lives to Moses. And many of our spiritual lives and many of the opposition in Jesus' day was because they felt that Jesus was in opposition to Moses. And Jesus said he came not to do away with the law and the prophets, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. The world considered Moses a loser, but God considered Moses a what? A winner. A winner. And no one can change God's opinion about any person except that person themselves, except you yourself. No one can change God's opinion of you 
but you, but you. God knows your value. God knows your worth. There isn't a, a committee on planet Earth here that can cause God to upgrade his evaluation or, or depreciation of you. The best public relations firm on Madison Avenue cannot make him reevaluate his opinion, God's opinion of your life. And the most slanderous gossip, I've encountered many calls and many counseling times where people's names have been slandered. Just recently, this past week, I happened to watch a little house in the prairie episode where young, beautiful women came to a new community and she got involved in the church and she got involved in livelihood of little house in the prairie life. And everything was going wonderful until gossip started to occur. And there was a someone listening in on a conversational call and spoken, spoke of her brokenness, her broken marriage and how she tried to make a new step in life, move away from alcoholism and all of her past and she'd been doing so well. Don't let gossip, don't let others' opinions monitor your life. And the most slanderous gossip in your city cannot drag you into the mud because of Jesus. Your relationship with God is, is, is safe from any outside interference. Satan, Satan himself cannot bar, barge in. And we find this in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. The Apostle Paul says, I, for I am persuaded. And are you persuaded? Paul says, take this persuasion. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor any form of principalities, nor, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gospel of Christ is, is one of hope, it is one of joy, of new life, of Christian freedom, and fresh opportunities. It is the most optimistic message now the world has ever known. Just receive it, believe in it, stand on it. It's most optimistic. Now, if 2024, if 2024 is going to be a year in which you reach your full potential, if you want to go near the top, you, you need to learn your standing before God and never allow outside sources to break that relationship, bruise that relationship with God. And I tell you by the authority of God's word that you are worthwhile. You're a worthwhile person to Jesus. Others may put you down. He went to the cross to restore you, to rehabilitate you, to put you in, on the road to recovery. Your circumstances may leave a lot to be desired. There may be those who would not trust you for any important enterprise because of past expectations. But Almighty God, who sees inside you, who sees inside you, knows who you are really well and what you can be in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one in this world can change God's mind about that except you. You need to program your mind and your being, your behavior, your attitudes. That's why I'm going to ask you to make some terrific decisions in just a few minutes. I don't consider these moments together to be just a, another TV presentation or another radio presentation or another sermon. This is just not another service. God has laid this message on my heart, and it needs to lay on your heart. And don't think you're ever going to be the same again. Did you ever hear of a school?
called Bush University. You might not be able to locate Bush University geographically, yet it exists. Many people have attended it. The Apostle Paul spent his senior years. King David needed several semesters before he passed that tough curriculum. David went through some 500 marriages and a thousand concubines, and we oftentimes don't think about the illegitimate relationship of Bathsheba and how she would turn on her, on her faithful husband Uriah and lie with David. But it took Moses 40 years to get through this Bush University. You see, your circumstances may not be as bad as you thought. Moses was on, on the backside, on the backside of the desert herding sheep. Can you imagine the isolation? The action was far removed. He was a long way from Egypt, and his people were still in slavery. Moses may have figured that there was nothing any, anything left in his life that he could do about it because he was 80. Well, he was right about that. No person could unless he had encountered, unless you have an encounter with God that evolutionized and revolutionized him. Unless they had been touched by divinity, and transformed into a person that could trust with a heavenly mission. Have you sorted out in your life what your heavenly and earthly mission really is? Away back in the rocks, Moses came upon a bush that was on, on fire. It was kind of a strange fire. It was hot, it was crackling, and yet it was not being destroyed. God was in the fire, and God is not in the destroying business. God is in the saving business. God is in the healing and transforming business. And God get Moses' attention as he speaks to you in his still small voice and said to Moses, Moses, this is holy ground. He speaks to you and I today because you are holy ground. You are inhabited by the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the indwelling spirit. What you and how you utilize your body, your members, to authenticate and make genuine your presentation of Christ. You are a holy temple. Dear friends, I am confident that our ministry broadcast is holy ground for you because when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Holy Spirit indwells within you, you become holy, 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 holy ground. Say it with me. Holy, holy ground. God is trying to get your attention. The Holy Spirit is reaching out to you through the means of communication, and he's going, he's going out for a verdict. The verdict is out. You hear a lot about verdicts today. And out of that fiery encounter, Moses became aware that he was tremendously important by God. Do you realize that you're tremendously important by God? This is where the new adventure begins. It dawns on us that God loves, that God loves you, that God cares about you, and you're important to God. You may be careening down a lonely highway or lying on a sagging mattress in a, a flea-bitten motel or hotel, and you may be weeping in your pain as you lie in a hospital bed or a prison cell. You may feel that you're largely forgotten in the huge crowd there at a university. You may be listening to me on a cheap transistor radio in a jail cell somewhere, or huddle over a bottle of scotch in your Porsche penthouse. 
you may be suffered by the pleasures of, of sin, of sin for a season, wherever you are, my dear fellow human being, you are an important person to God. Say it with me. I am an important person to God. And you are important to God. Now, now listen as I give you a valuable truth that the Apostle Paul learned thoroughly. If you will give yourself to Jesus Christ, if you allow Jesus Christ to become your Savior, if you allow and realize that you are the temple of God's Holy Spirit, you are God's holy ground, and utilize your temple, your body, as holy ground, your master will become your, you become the property of God. And God takes good care of his property. Paul was caught in a ship in the Mediterranean Sea in one of those violent sudden storms. And everyone on board was frightened. They thought the end had come, but the preacher, Paul, had good news for them. In Acts chapter 27, verses 22 through 24, Paul says, I exhort you, and Paul speaks to you and I by way of television and radio and other means of communication. I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there will be no loss of anyone's life among you. For then stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, fear not. You can count on it. God takes care of his property. You're God's property. Say it with me. I am God's property. If you consider your value, yourself valuable, well worth his time and his investment, and no one, no one, I repeat, no one can change his mind about you except you yourself. God has created you. God has redeemed you at a terrific, tremendous cost. God has constructed you like yourself are for a reason, and he never makes mistakes. God has plans for you, but he won't insist on, on it against your will, against your will. But everyone in this television or radio or place of worship, they're praying. They're praying you don't make the wrong decision, the wrong decision. You have a reason for living. You have a reason for living. And this is this is a philosophy today. This is a philosophy that's going on in many of our universities known as existentialism. One of my PhD professors at Harvard University, Harold, Professor Dr. Harold, who just recently passed away, was of a, a more tremendous conservative background than than many of his predecessors. And, and, was a liberal institution then, and it's liberal more so now. And even when I went to the University of Morrison, my undergraduate degree, and it's called kind of the Harvard of Minnesota, and all these higher institutions of education were teaching the students, and the students became many of our teachers, of our students, our children, and our grandchildren today. And it's a philosophy known as existentialism. It's a deadly teaching. It's suggesting that, that human existence cannot necessarily be described or understood, that, that you become a speck on a tidal wave, totally subjective with no cause or effect. And that speck, you are nothing but result of a freak accident evolving into and from an animal nature. What a depressing philosophy, and what a lie. 
What a lie. The Bible says just the opposite. That we are a temple of God, that we are holy ground. That you and I were created as a crowning glory of God's genius. That God has given us a command to dominate, dominate the planet to be an authoritative. But sin temporarily disrupted this arrangement. And however, God was determined to win. And the death of his son, Jesus Christ, secured, secured the contract again. For God so loved the world, that was a contract. For God so loved you and I, that he gave his only begotten son, that the whosoever's, you could put your name in the whosoever's, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. Jesus promised it. And he also said in John chapter 10, Verse 10, I came that you might have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. He extends to you a life that can be enjoyed to the ultimate. Moses was 80 years old when God touched his life. Exodus chapter 3, 10 says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth thy people, children of Israel, out of Egypt. What an assignment. What an assignment. How in the world could an old shepherd change the official policy of the mightiest nation of that time? Exodus chapter 3, verse 11 and 4, 1 says, And Moses said to God, Moses said to God, Who am I? Satan oftentimes asks us that question. Who, who are you? That we should go unto Pharaoh. They will not believe me. Who am I that I should give my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared. Doubt and depression set in. They strike at every one of us from pulpit to pew. You can tell their victims by the words, Who am I? Who am I? I cannot do that. But if God calls you, God will provide everything else necessary. No loving earthly parent would promise their child something that they could not produce. When God reveals his plan for your life, let it fill you with supreme expectancy. According to Philippians chapter 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will confirm it and confirm it and perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Moses. Moses, God said, what is that? in thine hand, and Moses says, it's a rod, it's a stick, Exodus chapter 4, a stick, a limb, pulled off a dead tree, a simple aid to help him walk in the sand and the dust and be off scorpions and snakes. Moses' equipment inventory was pretty low, but a dead stick in God's hands changed the course of history, cast it on the ground. And cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled before it. And then the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thy hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and he caught it, and it became a rod. Father, this, this morning, Moses must have looked at that rod with wonder in his heart. Much like we look at our marching orders. It had become the symbol of the power of God. Stretched out over a nation of slave traders, it would cause freedom bells to lift. 
lifted over the Dead Sea, a dry corridor would be opened in a very deep area, struck against a solid rock in a barren wilderness. It, it caused springs of living waters to flow. Little is much when God is in it. It isn't your ability needs, friends. It's your availability. It's your willingness to say, I want a fresh start. Take my life, God. Melt me, mold me, use me. For I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice, and I have been told thy love to me. There is a blessed truth, O Lord, is every one bows in prayer. There is a blessed truth about Christianity that separates from every other religion in the world. Others, other religions teach about our search for God. But scriptures, Christianity, tells us of God's search for us. And God is searching for your life right now. And as of this very moment, you never have to be the same again. Please bring your thoughts into captivity to the beginnings of Jesus Christ. Realize that your holy ground pulls out of your mind anything that would offend the sacredness of these next few moments. Don't let the world beat you down anymore. Lift your eyes to Jesus. The Bible says that the angels of heaven are are watching this scene, that eternity is focusing on this holy moment, and if you listen with spiritual healing, you will make out the still, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit saying, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See at the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching and looking for you, and I, with every head bowed and eyes closed, would you pray this prayer with me? A dedication, rededication. Whether you're listening by television or radio or YouTube or Facebook or other media, take this moment and say, Jesus, Jesus you, love me. you love me. You died for me. You died for me. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me, O Lord. Renew me, O Lord. That I am your temple. Your Holy Spirit dwells within me. Help me to operate, not by the flesh, but by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would turn with me now to the offertory prayer printed in your bulletins, let us pray this prayer together. God of justice, mercy, and compassion, we bring our tithes and offerings to your altar and pray they will be used to make your amazing love known to all. Then most often we leave and return to our weekday lives, expecting someone else to make that happen. Remind us that your prophets, your leaders, your missionaries were called and raised up from among the people. Help us open our lives and our minds to the possibility they might be the ones you would call and send. We pray this in the name of Christ, our teacher and our redeemer. Amen. Our offertory hymn is in memory of Marge Hall and prayers for the Paul Michelle Leonard family. Be thou my vision. Purple hymnal number 451. <laughs>
Son, and Holy Spirit. O God, do give us clean hands and clean words and clean thoughts and deeds. Help us to stand for the hard right against the easy wrong. And save us from habits at harm. And teach us to work as hard and play as fair in thy sight alone as all the words saw. Forgive us when we are unkind and help us forgive those who are unkind to us. And keep us ready to help others at some cost to ourselves. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Singing of Shalom to you in our purple hymnals, 666.